I'm JG Michael, and this is Parallax Views. Hello, this is Mike Swanson. In a few moments, you're going to listen to another segment of Parallax Views. But before you do that, let me tell you about my new book, Why the Vietnam War. It's a sequel to my previous book called The War State, which has lots of positive reviews and Amazon's been out for years. But this one is a more detailed case study of how American Empire National Security State operate using Vietnam. And I believe it shows also how things work today, how policy is actually made and why. So grab the book on Amazon.com, Why the Vietnam War. This edition of Parallax Views is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at the $10 tier and above of my Patreon page at patreon.com slash parallaxviews. Once again, that's patreon.com slash parallaxviews. Producers, Credit shoutouts to Mark Arlen, Spartacus, Gunner, Ed, Gratz, James, Mickey, Brian, The Warnerd, The 42 Group, Nick, Emilia, Chase, Chris, Orc, Black Tuna, Nobody, David, Holland, Martin, Stu, Jeffrey, Thomas, Elliot, Colin, Michael, Matthew Ho, Brace Belden, Galen, Justin, Nick W, Chance, and the Mere M-E-E-R Project. If you'd like to join those listeners in getting your very own producer's credit on each and every edition of Parallax Views, Consider joining them in supporting me at the $10 tier or above on my Patreon page at patreon.com slash parallaxviews. One more time, patreon.com slash parallaxviews. And now, on to the show. Hey there, Parallax Views listeners. Had to set the tone there a bit with some music that I thought was reminiscent of, I don't know, a 1950s flying saucer movie. Because this edition of the show is going to be a little bit of a departure from what we usually talk about. After all, current events can get depressing. So, I decided to go for something a bit more lighthearted, and I found it in the form of the latest offering from Full Moon Features. Movie Maverick, Charles Band's long-running and truly independent film factory specializing in sci-fi, horror, fantasy, and all other manner of genre cinema. We're going to be talking about their newest film. It should be debuting, I believe, on April 29th, and it's called Attack of the 50-Foot Cam Girl. If you're familiar with Full Moon, they've become quite known for serving up pint-sized terror in the form of franchises like Puppet Master and Demonic Toys. 
but this time they've decided to go big by way of a 21st century riff on the 1958 cult classic B-movie Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, a film which spawned only God knows how many a giantess fetishist. But I'm not kink-shaming here. Later on in the show, we'll be speaking with Jim Wynorski, the director of Attack of the 50-Foot Camgirl, and a true legend of down-and-dirty, low-budget filmmaking. More on that later, but first, we're going to be talking with Ivy Smith, the titular 50-Foot Camgirl herself. In addition to being incredibly beautiful, Ivy is an energetic and bubbly personality, which means that this was an extremely fun, fast-paced little chat. So, without further ado, kicking off what will probably go down as one of the weirdest episodes of Parallax Views to date, and I mean that in the best way possible, the beautiful and talented Ivy Smith, star of Attack of the 50-Foot Cam Girl. Welcome to Parallax Views, a guest that I'm very happy we could get on, Ivy Smith, star of the new Full Moon Features movie, Attack of the 50-Foot Cam Girl. You're the titular cam girl. Uh, how is it going? It's going great. Thank you so much for having me, JG. Um, how is the weather in Chicago? Oh, good, good, good. I, I'm actually in Florida. What? I, lo- I don't know. I don't Zoom know is what? weird like that. Uh, but... I, I wanted to ask you, uh, I guess, right off the bat, uh, before we get into the movie, uh, before we get into the movie, could you talk about um, how you got into, uh, you started out in modeling. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So my um, when I was 18 years old, I went to a fetish convention in Tampa Bay. And I just, it was Tampa Fetish Convention. It was this huge event. And I knew those models got paid something and it was easy to break into so I don't know when I was 18 I just felt like exploring life right so I'm in the middle of this convention showroom floor and this photographer pulls me out says he likes my legs and I end up posing twice for this magazine called leg show magazine which is all about girls in like pantyhose like nylon that kind of fetishistic view of women's legs and yeah that was my first uh, modeling shoot and it was really cool and since then, I kind of just took little odd jobs here and there. I had actually been a giantess before. Uh, so when I read the script, I thought it was fan fiction. So I, I have to ask, I, so do you, do you already have fans that are into like giantess and like foot fetish stuff, foot smush? <laughs> I, I had essentially um, assassinated the alter ego that was a fetish model years ago. I just... I just didn't want to be known for that. And I had some notoriety and um, I just kind of, well, I, I, I was overseas for a couple of years and I stopped posting under that name. And so I just disappeared and she disappeared too. Sometimes people make the connection. It's not a big secret, but I'm not going to help anyone find it either. <laughs> so then how did she become involved in Attack of the 50 Foot Cam Girl? Now that's interesting right? (laughs) 
So um, I had kind of nixed the fetish modeling thing. And um, for income, I was part-time an exotic dancer. And a waitress, coworker of mine, posted in this magazine and I liked the Instagram. And they saw some of my photo portfolio that I had built up over the years because there were some good pictures in all of that mess. And he um, hired me for a photo shoot. And then I told him, uh, you know, well, my, my real true destination in life is to be an actress. And he said that he uh, photographed some of the Scream Queens. And I went on another photo shoot with Debbie Dutch, who is legendary and awesome. And she, she took a liking to me and she said, I, I want to help you out. And um, from there, you know, I, I went to an event that she was at a signing and I met some people and she said, this is the new actress, Ivy Smith. The craziest part, at that event, I wore these heels, like these shoes, special boots I had that made me stand at about six foot five, which for no reason whatsoever, I'm at this event six foot five, like that's not my regular height. So they're like, who's this very tall girl? Um, and I had added some people I'd met mutually or through mutual friends. And then I get to Jim. <laughs> so I get Jim, to Jim Wynorski, the legend. <laughs> Jim Wynorski, the legendary. Yeah. I saw we had some mutual friends and I'm like, I'm going to shoot my shot, you know? <laughs> Hi, Mr. Director. And he's like, so he writes, he says, so I take it you're an actress. And I said, yes, sir. I sent him some small horror movie I'd done, some music video I was in, some little samples I had here and there of me as an actress. And he said, he gave me a call and he says, well, this never happens, but we're looking to cast a movie and <laughs> you fit the part. And if you audition and you're good, you can have it. And I was like, oh my God, the big break, it happened. So I sat in an audition tape and I, I did okay and I got the part. So then uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about your character because uh, this is sort of like Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, but as a twist, because uh, you're sort of like an Instagram influencer girl. Click. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was uh, the character Beverly. She is very self-obsessed, rich bitch. Um, very like big energy, positive person, but just so conceited, I think. And it kind of, uh, kind of creates a monster. Um, hmm, what to say about her? She, she has, she has some good intentions though. In, um, in the part where she, where the scientists create the food that turned her into a giant, the mission there was to end world hunger. She wanted to use her influence and fame to win a Nobel prize. She, she's nice to the nerds too. She gives the nerd a yeah, smooch she in loves it. Her <laughs> she loves them and they love her. So then, uh, what was it like working with Jim Wynorski? Because I've, I've already interviewed Jim for this, and Jim is, uh, I feel like he's a character, and he's probably very interesting to work with. He is, like, you know, I knew there was, like, this symbiotic relationship of an actor and a director, and that the director's going to yell at you. I, I knew that. <laughs> I knew that uh, the director's going to be tough on you when you're an actor, you know, how they get you to be good and uh, I got a little tough love yeah some unique tactics uh and I uh, I loved working with him I would look forward to the phrase 
well, that was a down payment on fair. <laughs> that would be what we would say after we got a, you know, a decent take where everyone at least got through the lines. <laughs> you would say, well, that's a down payment on fair. And that was like the highest praise that could be earned. Um, afterwards, he's a lot sweeter, but when he's in work mode, he is in a mode. I can definitely tell when, when I interviewed him, he was, uh, he, he was kind of cantankerous up until the end. And then he was all nice. And I'm like, Oh, I yes. guess this is just Jim. <laughs> yes. That's exactly. That's a cantankerous and he's in work mode, but then him, his own sweet self, just, you know, he's, he's my fairy godfather. <laughs> he made my dream come true. He's amazing. You know, and then work mode is, is brutal, but I'm definitely a lot more prepared. <laughs> Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I think yeah. once you've uh, worked with Jim Wynorski, you probably like know the ins and outs of uh, what you need to do as an actress, what you need to do uh, in film, because I, what was it? How long did it take you guys to film? Like six days or? Yeah. Yeah. And we worked with a small crew. I mean, I, I showed up and I'm like, so where's everyone? Kind of? It's a skeleton crew and we didn't even have hair or makeup or wardrobe. Found out the day before that I was responsible for dressing Beverly. So I just, I went and I just went to clearance racks and just picked everything tight and bright. And I just, I found out like I, I had to do so much more because there wasn't like this team making me into someone I had to make that person. And um, so, so working with the skeleton crew and the, and the small dialed back crew, I learned so much about movie making and he's, you know, he's a veteran director and I learned so much, you know, acting with him and with this group. It, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's more than I could have learned anywhere. So I want, I want to talk a little bit about Charles Band, but, um, you know, you're, you're starring alongside Christine Wen, who uh, she's been in a lot of these movies for uh, Jim Wynorski and also Jim's buddy, uh, Fred Olin Ray. And, and she always seems to have fun with these roles. What was your experience with her like? And uh, did you guys improvise a little with some of your scenes? It seems like you were uh, having fun playing uh, rivals to each other. I can have asked for a better opponent. <laughs> she uh, she gives really good energy to work with, um, and that rivalry was was great. It was it was um, it was perfect to act out, and it, it didn't exist in real life. You know, in real life, she's just an absolute peach. She's the sweetest. She's really cool, and she said some really funny things. She's just really funny, and she she uh, she has a big imagination. She'll, she'll think of something for the scene and she's like, cool. Like, <laughs> the part, like what, what, what an example of, what's an example of that? So there's the part where, uh, where she gets blown into the pool and we were going to do something else entirely. And she, she had read it in the script and she was like, it was cold. No, I wouldn't get in the freaking water and I'm starring in this movie. I wouldn't have done it. She, and she's like, I, I gotta do it. I gotta get in the water. It's so funny and there were she did a few takes of it she said I'll do one take I'm like girl there's no one take <laughs> you're getting in the water you know uh, I couldn't even watch her because the way she did it was so funny there's one where she just pulls her head up spits water out I was like bitch Zilla or something like that and she's just screaming and splashing around and I, I can't even be near her because she's so funny and I'm gonna laugh and I'm gonna ruin the shot and I, I didn't get to see some of the bar scenes so when I watched the movie, I was like, ooh, because that's where, where her juicy evil side kind of shows more. 
Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Christine, I don't think she gets enough credit. She, in addition to being a beautiful woman, she is a very funny actress. She knows her comic timing. And uh, I love that scene between you two where you're doing the photo shoot together and she's like trying to push you out of the way. She's like, oh, this is my shoot. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were like, bling. Like, that was so fun. So for the benefit of the listening audience, uh, Ivy's reenacting a bit, just a bit, not too much. Uh, you have to see the video version. I don't know. Uh, I think we gave a lot more than was used because we were just like, boing, at one point. I She ripped off my top and I strangled her with it. But that was a little too vicious to use in the movie. But we were like, our boobs were like, had a, just a magical bounce that would just knock us over. And we would like bump hips. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then in the fighting scenes, I don't know if you've seen it, but she kicks my ass. And I'm like, I don't even look good. She is just and I haven't really you know done this before so she's like so fast and I'm just like well I guess I'm just really slow and strong and she you know speedy but yeah she's high energy hard to keep up with which is great it's you know challenging I'm glad you mentioned the uh the, the sort of climatic battle because uh you, you have a climatic battle with Christine sorry if that's a spoiler for people maybe I'll put a spoiler alert in there uh but you have uh, <laughs> but you have um you have miniatures uh, set up by Jeff, Le- Jeff Leroy, who's been doing this for a while. And uh, could you talk about like uh, getting to destroy miniatures? How fun was that? Oh my God, this movie. Okay, I, I did everything I ever wanted. I acted in front of a green screen. I had unique sets and the miniatures where I feel like I'm Alice in Wonderland. Okay, like, you know, when she's so, she's so big, her legs come out of the house, that scene, Alice in Wonderland. I feel like that the entire time I'm playing with these miniatures, I have these behind the scenes little clips of me just interacting with it and playing with it. Like I, every time there was a break, I would sneak away to go fuck with the miniatures because I loved it. They're tiny. And, and um, then when I got to destroy it, it was just so freaking epic. And, uh, you know, they, they were nervous that I'd get hurt or that I would, I would break the thing, but without the right oomph. Because you get one time to break it. You can't just be like, huh, what? Huh? You know, you're like, bam, smash, giant. You know, you can't be like, oh, oh it's a bro. <laughs> you know, like, you, you got to really go for it. And it, it was so freaking awesome. Um, I love wrecking shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I was telling Jim, uh, because I did get to see the movie. I got the uh, screener from Chris Alexander. And I was like, wow. Christine, I, I think she, uh, her butt dropped on one of those miniatures. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, we had a, we had a time that. <laughs> Cause um, I burst out of the, no, mm, said too much. Um, we did have to, we did have to time that in our battle and uh, make sure we had done the right amount of fighting before we break shit. And we had to go kind of backtrack and work in a little more fighting. And as I said, she really just kicks my ass. We did not get enough of a moment to choreograph. So I got to ask, uh, Charles Band, I'm, I'm sure he like came on set for a day or something. I don't know how deeply he was involved, but Charles, to me, Charles is like a, a man out of time. He's from a very old school when it comes to like um, making films. He's like very old school style, you know? So what was it like working with Charles? What advice did he give you? How did he talk to you? All that good stuff. He is a mystery man. That is the vibe I get from him. He's just man of mystery. It's like, oh, Charles is here. He's the guy 
you know, funding this thing. Cool. You know, um, I got to uh, some of the pictures that we took for the, for the poster he, he took with me and he got on the ground and he said, okay, now pretend you're a giant. I'm a little dude, a little dick. And you just want to stomp on me. Like he just, you know, made up some shit. And it definitely got my face like in character. <laughs> He's a mysterious, very coy, cool guy. And then just down there with the camera saying ridiculous shit to make me, you know, play the part, which that, that was hilarious. Yeah, I, I feel like Charles may have a little bit of a different approach than maybe Jim does. <laughs> Oh yeah, he's he's a sweet talker. He's like, you're a star. I've made so many movies, and you're great. Uh, Jim's like, if I could, I'd fire you. <laughs> like, good cop, bad cop. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it is sort of a good cop, bad cop thing with Jim and uh, Charles there. But uh, I, I was going to ask, uh, how many takes do you guys usually do when you're when, when you were filming? And. Uh, we, we really, because we, we show up and we play the part and we just hope that everyone's taking their own time to rehearse the scenes with someone who is going to read them. <laughs> so we kind of get like a rehearsal that's semi-filmed and then we get like a, like maybe two takes all the way through and then one with the reactions. Um, Eli or Brad, his dad was the editor and, you know, on the camera and made sure to get a lot of him. <laughs> He was like coached with every reaction. It was, it was funny. It was a lot of him. So um, it sounds like even though it was a tight schedule, it was a, like very fun experience overall. Oh my god, I I loved I loved it. Like I watched the movie and I was I was scared. I was like, oh my god, I'm you know I'm in the shower. I mean, I'm exposed. Like this is this is a lot to show the world. You know, and uh, am I going to be embarrassed? How am I going to feel? It's my first movie. And, you know, it's awkward. And I watched it and I was like, I like this movie. I actually like it. I, I like me in this movie. I like what I'm doing. I like my choices. So I ended up really liking the movie, which is such a big deal because <laughs> I thought I'd hate it. And so in acting on that set, I had so much fun and I was so happy. The end of it, I felt like I was leaving summer camp. Like I was just so happy. And that and I think that's why when I watched the movie, like it shows like we're just happy people making little movie so uh, it's funny you mentioned the uh being nervous about stuff part because i know you you'd said you'd done some modeling and fetish stuff and also it's not nude oh okay okay that's what i was gonna get into like what i always ask this of ash actresses i have on the show what is it like that like first time where you're you're filming a scene where i mean you're getting exposed so i mean i assume you, you feel pretty vulnerable and you're kind of it, it can be nerve-wracking it, it was uh, the, like basically the first thing I did on set, which was like, just like a punch in the gut. I mean, and my hair, like when I'm in the shower, my hair is in a bun, which isn't sexy. Like when you're in a shower, you want to get your hair wet. Right. But like, I have to shoot other scenes later. So I have my hair in this little grandma bun and I'm like trying to shower and be sexy, but I'm like so freaking uncomfortable. And part of me wonders if I'm making a porno. <laughs> And then, and then that's over and, you know, it was painless. <laughs> so yeah. you were able to sort of get over the anxiety pretty quickly. Well, I, I know I was anxious the whole time, but I, I just learned to live with the anxiety of the moment. Right. 
it's in the shower with me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we close out here, what, what was your maybe uh, funnest experience while making the film? Or e- even after making the film? I know there's a lot of stuff you do in post, like interviews. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm having fun with interviews and um, meeting these cool podcast people. Like, hells yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm going to Dallas on Friday to Texas Frightmare Weekend. And I'm going to sign posters and I'm going to see a screening of my movie with like some hundred people there. So more people are going to see me in the shower <laughs> and I get to be in the same room while they watch it. Now, um, so I'm really, I'm really excited for going to Dallas. That's going to be so fun. Um, Cause I, you know, it's like my movie premiere and it's convention and I really get to um, fulfill my lifelong daydream. <laughs> So uh, that's the funnest is yet to come. Was there a favorite experience on set or anything like that? Or hmm, so, oh, um, I love my scene with Lisa London because we had to rewrite the script, like, and uh, we made some strong choices, and we got a little pushback, and we're like, no, this works, <laughs> and and we did our lines the way that that we had to for the moment. Because something, you know, things can move for a script is like kind of, it's subject to change, you know? And so we had, we had it kind of improvised, but we rewrote the lines and, and they play better. So <laughs> that was yeah, really Lisa's fun. Lisa's been in a number of movies too. So she's sort of veteran at this stuff. Oh, she's awesome. Her and Christina are just like, so I'm just happy I got to know these girls. Like, they're so cool. I hope they're my friend. <laughs> so then, um, I, I guess uh, before we close out here, um, what do you think about the possibility of uh, this becoming like other Full Moon features where, you know, Full Moon has created many a franchise over the years. Could we be seeing uh, the uh, further adventures of the Cam Girl? Well, as you know, as it was done filming, I said, I want a sequel in space. Last podcast I'm saying, you know, this movie would really work if I bought space aliens because I'm a giant, right? And then later on, Charles and Jim have a meeting and I don't know where they get this idea, but they talk about a sequel and they talk about possibly fighting in space. 50 foot cam girl versus the UFOs. That's what I want to see. Something something of that nature. I can't say too much, but I can say the space part because I've been saying it from the rooftops <laughs> since we wrapped I'm like I want a sequel <laughs> there's room anything that you want to say in closing to uh people that are going to Texas Frightmare or uh you know people that are thinking about watching the film um please watch the movie and don't steal it rent it or buy it <laughs> And show your friends and make sure everyone watches it and everyone likes it. That's it. Just um, love it. <laughs> I worked hard. <laughs> Please love it. <laughs> That's what I have to say. I have to ask you the one joke question here uh, because I announced this, this uh, episode about Attack of the 50-Foot Cam Girl. And the first response I get is, I want her to step on me. So are you getting prepared oh. for all the emails where you get, uh, hey, can you step on me <laughs> requests? <laughs> it's honestly kind of rude. <laughs> they're contacting me with a perversion like I'm not like hey rub rub my bunions like I don't know whatever <laughs> um it's 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 
being coming a little pro, uh, nuance, nu- nuisance, it's a nuisance because um, I can't always get to my messages. So if you would like me to step on you, um, please send me money and then talk to me about it. I can't, it's, it's very hard for me to go through all my messages and find people I genuinely need to contact versus um, someone in Finland who wants me to step on them. <laughs> So uh, how can my listeners uh, keep up with what you're doing? You have a Facebook page and whatnot? I just made a Facebook page, like not a not personal one. like a, So everyone can like it, even people who want to be stepped on, they can write that page. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where everything Actress Ivy is going is on the Facebook page. It's connected to my IG. So, you know, um, I made some pictures. I made them myself um photoshopped some different backgrounds so uh, of me as a giant that's Beverly so I've been sharing those so yeah just the Facebook is the best way to keep in touch so for the guys out there that want to be stepped on be polite and also you have to send some money thank you again Ivy (laughs) Smith for coming on Parallax News everyone check out Attack of the 50 Foot Cam Girl Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ivy Smith, the 50-foot cam girl herself. Next up, the one and only Jim Wynorski. He is a character, a legend within the world of low-budget filmmaking. He has made numerous features, including 1988's Not of This Earth, starring Tracy Lords in her first non-adult role, and, of course, my favorite, Chopping Mall, the cult classic sci-fi horror in which teens partying overnight at a mall are menaced by malfunctioning killer robots. You're going to see through this conversation that Jim is quite the personality, and if he comes off abrasive to you, trust me, he isn't. At least not here. But he does have, shall we say, a particular sense of humor. In any case, we're going to be talking about Attack of the 50-Foot Cam Girl and uh, some other things, including his friendship with Tracy Lords, working with Stormy Daniels, and why he never wants to work with Stormy Daniels again. And the story behind his legendary slasher comedy, Sorority House Massacre 2, and its sequel, Hard to Die, featuring one of the most iconic characters in all of slasher movie history, the indestructible Orville Ketchum, who everyone thinks is a killer, but is actually, spoiler alert, a pretty good guy. All that and more in my conversation with, again, the one and only Jim Wynorski, director of Attack of the 50-Foot Cam Girl. Welcome to the Parallax Views podcast, a director who has been in love with genre cinema since I believe seeing... Forbidden Planet, when he was uh, just a young lad, he's directed such features as Sorority House Massacre 2, Hard to Die, 
The Witches of Brestwick, the upcoming Bigfoot or Bust, and uh, the movie we're going to be talking about, Attack of the 50-Foot Cam Girl. How are you doing, Jim Wynorski? Hey, uh, JG, I am doing just fine. Sunday, I'm relaxing. (laughs) Well, thank you for taking out some time to speak with me, and I guess the First question I had for you: uh, th- This new movie, Attack of the. 50s. I only want I only want I only want stupid questions, okay? <laughs> Nothing serious. I, t- I told you that yesterday. So what, what's your first question? It better be it better be stupid. Let's go. Okay. What What is up with uh, all these like giantess fetishist movies that people are into ever since Allison Hayes gave men awkward you know, boners come on. in 1958? JG, 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 listen up. Some some guys like big boobs, some guys like giant boobs, and some guys like fifty foot women type boobs. So there you go. That's the reason for the fetish. <laughs> and all these all these guys want to be you know walking all over them. And um, I had known about it, but I never had dealt with it until Charles Band from Full Moon. Uh, contacted me and said he wanted to do a, a movie about uh, a 50 foot woman. So um, the uh, writer came up with some really interesting premise. I told, but I told him before we started. I said I want the I want the semi premise of the first one. I said eliminate the space guy because he was nonsense, and um, and give her another good reason for getting big. And um, he did, but he also kept to the formula, which is in the original Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, which is a, a guy who's total cad, who's married the boss, and uh, still wants to play around. And that was that was the format of the original movie. And I said, I really like love that about that movie when I was a kid. And I said, this, here's a guy that is married to Allison Hayes, and still wants to, you know, screw, excuse my French, fuck around with the Red Vickers. So I said, okay, um, let's do it that way. So that's why I brought in Ivy Smith and and Christine Wynn. So I, I, I know you said only stupid questions, uh, but, but I did have a few here that I, I guess may have been more serious. I was curious about. Oh, man. I read the, I read those questions. I read those questions. I was bored just listening, listening to them. Okay, but go ahead. What's your second serious question? So I, I was curious about your relationship with uh, Roger Corman, uh, who recently had his I birthday. You were say Ivy, I thought you were going to say Ivy Smith. <laughs> well, I'd be curious about that too, actually. But <laughs> I met Ivy online. Um. A girl that I know very well and I used to date named Debbie Dutch um, was shooting for a magazine in San Diego, I think called Balls Magazine. And uh, one of her the models that she was working with that day was Ivy Smith. And Ivy Smith and I connected. And uh, she did a little audition for me over the phone via video. And I said, this girl could work. And uh, she did. She worked out great. Okay, then I guess the next question I had is uh, where do you get your sort of caustic sense of humor from? I don't have 
have a caustic sense of humor. I just have a sense of humor like everybody else does. Okay. <laughs> so when I go, when I go into these movies, first of all, I go in with a little bit of reverence because I love the old versions. Um, and you know, I don't want I don't want to mess around with the premise. So that's why I did the same premise as the original. The only thing I eliminated was the reason she got big. And the original was the spaceman, I think, who made her big. And was he, he was after jewelry of some sort. And I said, I can get rid of that and, and just have her trying to save the world with, you know, superfood. And uh, it goes bad, and she gets tall. And um, I just said, let's do it that way. And And as far as humor is concerned... Uh, I threw a little humor in at it. Yes, of course I did. Because it's a crazy premise. Um, I've done serious movies and I've done a lot of movies with a, with a, you know, my tongue firmly planted in my cheek. But this was one where I just said, let's just have some fun with it. So I, I, I'll try to skip some of the, uh, the, the more serious questions and get right to, uh, oh, please, please go to, go to the good ones. Okay. So there, I there is, stand, you know, how about, you know, Okay, as far as Roger Corman is concerned, he gave me a lot of advice. <laughs> he gave me a lot of advice when I first started. He took me to lunch. He said, bring a, bring a pad. And he taught me more in two hours at lunch than I learned throughout my years at film school. And all of his stuff was appropriate. Where all the film school stuff was just a bunch of hogwash which I never used by everything that Roger brought up was, was a, was something I could apply to filmmaking. And I did. And I still have that pad in storage somewhere, but now it's totally ingrained in my head. So for that, I got to thank him. So I got to ask you about the, uh, big climatic battle, uh, between Ivy yes, and her, her nemesis who's played by, uh, I believe her name's Christine Wen. I've seen her in quite a few of uh, your friend, uh, Fredel and Ray's movies. And uh, there's some great miniatures by Jeff Leroy, whose work I'm familiar with. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that battle? Did uh, Christine's butt get hurt falling on the miniatures? No, no, of course not. Of course not. That, that, you know, I was I was standing about two feet from that, that miniature house. And I just said, Christine, fall back on it. It's made of cardboard. And she did. And we added appropriate sound effects and, 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 and a lot of, there was a lot of smoke and, and dirt and fire that was added in post. So nobody got hurt at all. And Christine was a, has been in a number of films for me. Uh, she was in Shark and Saw, Women's Prison Massacre. She was in, she's been in a lot of movies of mine over the years. I found her through Fred and, um, so we've both worked with her over the years. She's a trooper, always shows up, always knows her lines. You know, can't, you know, you can't fault her. So who who would win in a big one-on-one fight, Ivy or Christine? Or, or are you not a privilege to answer that? Well, you saw what happened. <laughs> I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to tell people, you know, they, they got to watch it for themselves. So, um, you know, suffice to say they're, they're, they're fighting at the end and, uh, uh, there's an interesting climax. 
So I, I just had two more questions, and then I'll uh, I, I'll end. Uh, call the, me back. The call me back. Call me back after the 29th. I'll tell you exactly who wins. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wanted to ask you, and I did not include this uh, initially, but I, I, I was just curious. Uh, you've worked with a uh, bevy of beautiful women over the years. Uh, who's Fuck been the best? All. Fuck them all. Okay. <laughs> Who's been the best to work with, and who's been the worst? And I've heard some nightmare stories about Stormy Daniels. You know, Stormy was just a dope, okay? <laughs> I don't have anything bad to say about her, except that she had she had a lousy work, work ethic, okay? And, you know, she walked out on me on the second Witches of Breastwick movie because I didn't get around to shooting her um, soon enough. And I said, you know, I said to her, you're being paid for the, for the day, not being paid the, so I can shoot you first. And, uh, she got in her car and left. And that was it. So. Really? How, how, her, how did you get around that then? I cut her out of the picture. <laughs> She's not in the second one. I had shot a couple scenes, shots with her earlier that first day, but. When she left, I said, I called it another girl, and we kept shooting without her. Wow. <laughs> didn't happen on the first, didn't, didn't happen on the first one, happened on the second, second, which is the breastwork. So who's, who's been your favorite of the gals to work with? You've worked with everyone, including the late, uh, Jolie Strain and Kelly Maroney. Is there anyone in particular that, uh, you had a liking for? You know, um, uh, I have, I, I loved them all. It's coming hot chicks. <laughs> They're all hot chicks. There was only a couple I hated. One was Tanya Roberts, and who's you know I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but she was a bitch, okay. And uh, the other one was Jennifer Rubin, who I worked with once on Wasp Woman, and um, those are the two I couldn't stand. Other than that, most of the girls come to the set and they're nice and they're. You know, they're beautiful and, you know, it's quite a, quite a nice, you know, time working with him and, uh, you know, chatting with him and, and, you know, hanging out with him. And I've worked with some really beautiful girls and women. You know, Heather Locklear, Angie Dickinson, Tracy Lords, um, lots, lots and lots and lots of them. And Tra I never Tracy's had, I, been in uh Tracy's been in two of your films, I think. She was in uh Not of This Earth, that's that was her debut non adult film, and then Shark and Saw, right? That's correct. But we've been friends in between, you know, and, and I still talk to her on the phone all the time. So um anyway, um She's always been a, a, a nice, you know, good friend of mine, and we hung we hung out a lot before she got married. So, last question I had for you, and I, I appreciate your humoring me. Um, where in the world is uh, Orville Ketchum, and and when can we expect Orville in space? You cannot. I'll tell you what. Peter Spellos, who plays Orville Ketchum, um, moved away from L.A. He moved to New York, and I wanted to bring him back for one more Orville movie. 
they predicted Orville in orbit. Okay? And first he said yes, and then he said no. He said he was, and you know, he was too old to go be doing that stuff, and um, it was a very disappointing day. But I understood, I understood why he was doing it. You know, he's uh, had some difficulty with, you know, aging like everybody else, and he did not want to come back and do Orville. And I, I look, I understood that. So I said, okay, we got. We got him in uh, Sorority House Massacre 2, and we got him in Hard to Die. And, um, you know, as much as I would have wanted to do Orville in Orbit, um, I figure those two are classics of their type. And um, and since he's no longer acting, nobody's going to have him play Orville but me. So there you go. So Orville is living in New York, and he's living comfortably and kicking back in retirement. Well, I gotta say, I'm glad Orville was doing well. He went through a lot in Sorority House Massacre 2 and Hard to Die. I threw him off a fucking building, for crying out loud. I threw him down stairways. I shot, I shot him with, you know, a thousand rounds of bullets. But he's, uh, he was unstoppable. That's what I liked about him. The fact that no matter what you did to the son of a gun, he would, he would still come back. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, I did it as a joke. I did the whole, those two movies were jokes. Big, you know, let's go have some fun with naked girls and, and have a killer and have the, and everybody think that Orville was the killer, but he's not. He's the, he's the, he's the savior and, um, and he's unstoppable. So. Well, what, wasn't was Sorority House Massacre 2 made on like a, a dare of some sort or, or you made it with uh, Julie Corman's permission, and Roger didn't know about it, or something like that. That's right. That's right. Roger didn't know about it. They were, uh, the, you know, Roger was going up with Julie to Europe, and there were sets around, just sets on on the set. You know, just in the studio, there was sets. There was a set for Rock and Roll High School Forever. There was a set from some other sorority. I mean, Slumber Party Massacre Three. Um, that was partially trashed. That had no furniture in it. Because they'd returned all of the props. And I said, Julie, I can make a film on these sets while you're gone. Just give me seven days. You'll be gone ten. Give me seven days and I'll make it. He said, sure, go make it. But don't tell Roger. And um, I'll see you when I get back. I said, okay. So I, I wrote the script in a couple of days. And and then um, we shot it while they were gone. And uh, Roger saw it. Finally, when he when he got back, he got wind of it, and he called me at home. He said, "What is this movie you've done?" Because it was originally called The Seance, um, just as a kind of a title to get people in. And um, I told him what it was. He says, "Can I see it?" I said, "Ask your wife. It's her film." So he come. I meet him at the studio. He looks at the film, which was still cutting. And he says, I want you to do this again for me. Just do it the way you did the first one. I said, okay. So that's be that became hard to die. So those films were made kind of back to back. And it was a challenge because I had to make remake Slum Part, Sorry, House Massacre 2 as, as another, as another movie. So I got most of the actors to come back. I had 
I made a couple of cast changes and uh we did it. So um and I was always glad I I got to do it twice because Orville is, is is he's a, a he's kind of an iconic character from the 90s. How how long did those two take you and also I got to say my my favorite from those other than Orville is uh Melissa Moore. She just ooh, she gets my blood boiling. <laughs> Melissa Moore uh, I think I went out with her a couple a couple of times back then too. So she's she's left the business. She's a she's a horse trainer now in Kentucky. Uh, it was always her her dream to be a have a stable, um, and she kept saying, "I, I don't I don't like it here in Hollywood. I want to go back to Kentucky." And ultimately, she did. And um, but you know. While she was working for me, she was hottie, 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 hottie. And, uh, in fact, most of the girls in those two films were girls I knew from different, you know, different times. And I said, just let's bring them all together. And, uh, I'm still friends with Gail. Um, uh, I'm friends with a couple of them on Facebook. And, um, you know, they've gone off, got married, had kids and that kind of stuff. It was 30 years ago. So, uh, but Gail still looks great. Gail is in, um, um, Bigfoot or Bus, which comes out July 5th. And, uh, so I'm still working with the same babes that I would, I did, uh, you know, 30, 35 years ago. Still I took, working on the tight uh, schedules too, or? You know, most of my, most of my film schedules are 12 days. Okay. Um, uh, Attack of the Fifty Foot Cam Girl was shot in six, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a little hairy to get it all done in six days, but we made it. And um, um, you know, I told Charlie, I said, you know, six days—it's going to add up to about sixty minutes a movie, and that's what it did. Came in, came in around sixty-two minutes or something like that, but. You know, Charlie was uh, very happy with it. And, uh, you know, I told him, I said, it's going to be, it's going to be an hour long. So, but he's happy with it. I think he's premiering it at Texas right in their weekend, uh, this coming Friday. So, and of course it comes out everywhere on Friday. Well, hey, Jim, I want to thank you again for coming on Parallax Views. If you want, let my listeners know. Uh, a little bit more about Bigfoot or Bustin' than I, I promise to let you go because you stayed a little bit longer than I thought you would. Okay, well, um, Bigfoot or Bust has an interesting premise. I said, you know, I was going to make just a bunch of girls running around from Big Bigfoot, but I said, you know, why don't I bring in all the familiar faces from the late 80s, early 90s that everybody remembers? And I called everybody that I thought was might be good for the part, and you know, I, so every I don't think there's a, a girl in that movie that isn't over fifty years old, but who still looks so 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 hot that it didn't matter to me. But I wanted people to see what you know you can do if you got the right if you got the right women, and uh, so we made a comedy. But, you know, everybody's chasing Bigfoot. And, um, 
It's coming out July 5th from MVD Releasing, and I hope everybody watches it. And I hope everybody enjoys, you know, Attack of the 50-Foot Camera when it premieres on the 29th of April. I thank you for calling, and uh, uh, I hope everybody enjoys the podcast. Thank you very much, Jim Wynorski. Well, that does it for this edition of Parallax Views. As I said, I think this may go down as one of the weirdest episodes I've done to date. I'd like to thank Chris Alexander and Full Moon Features for helping to make this episode possible, particularly getting me in touch with Ivy Smith, and also many thanks to Jim Wynorski. I watched many of his films as a teenager, and it was really cool finally getting to speak with him. Sorry, I know, fanboy moment. So, thank you, Jim. As always, if you appreciate the work here I do with Parallax Views, please consider supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com slash parallaxviews. One more time, that's patreon.com slash parallaxviews. You can support me with monthly donations of $1, 5 10 15 or $100. Any amount will help. It is you, the listener, that makes this show possible. And with that being said, Until next time, you've been listening to Parallax Views with Parallax Views to Parallax Views with Parallax Views. The way out is not simply to say don't do it, just to prohibit. It's nothing else. If we don't do it, others will be doing this like right. So you know we have to confront the problem. But no, basically, basically, I'm, I know of the great anxiety problems, new forms of control, but it's also new forms of freedom. This is why I always emphasize that uh, uh, internet and all this new digital stuff, it's a very ambiguous phenomenon, but it's the field of struggle. New forms of enslavement, but at the same time, new incredible forms of freedom. We have to accept the fight with no nostalgia for old, allegedly more authentic communities or whatever. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid.